And then lastly, this is also, also something Wes mentioned last Sunday as well. I want to talk about it and actually camp out on it for just a minute as it's really part of the word today. But um, at, when you leave the, the church today as well, if you look on the children's check-in desk, there's actually a uh, sign-up sheet to serve and help and work in children's ministry, uh, whether it be Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights. Um, and so I'm just going to get really real with you for just a moment here. Uh, we have a lot of need in the children's ministry, and we should not have such a need for workers and ministers to our children uh, in this house. And I'm thankful because we've got such a full and thriving children's ministry here. Um, it really is thriving. We have kids that are they're growing in the Lord. They're encountering the presence of the Lord. You just saw them up here. They're learning the transformative teachings of Jesus. Uh, you know, they're even leading us. You remember a few Sundays back, they were up here leading us, and we were receiving so much for them. Uh, the harvest really is plentiful, but church, the, the, the workers are few. The workers are few, and I've just, to be honest, I, I'm embarrassed before the Lord. I'm embarrassed before the Lord that the harvest is so plentiful, that he's brought us so many precious ones to steward, and we're continuing to not have enough people that will serve and work with the children of this house. And I, I'm using the word work because how many of you know, uh, and a lot of times with kids, it can feel like work. It, it really is. If we're, if we're getting real, I'm just, I'm tired, of, I'm tired of trying to find words in the church that will make people feel like it's not work. When the truth is that we've got a world, we've got a culture that is working overtime to indoctrinate, to confuse, to brainwash, and blatantly turn children away from Jesus. They're actually teaching them to despise holiness. They're literally, relentlessly working to steal, kill, and destroy the children of this generation. So church, we better wake up and go to work. It's time to go to work. In Matthew 18, 5, Jesus tells us, he says, And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Oh, this is is my only chance, like all week, to just receive or to be away from kids or to, to, to worship. How about this is my only chance to have a room full of kids in front of me that desperately need the abundant life and the healing power of Jesus and his love and his transforming teaching poured into them. This is my only chance. What an honor. So I welcome this child in and I welcome you in Jesus. That's the shift we've got to make. And I'm so thankful for the, the, culture, the culture we've got here to rise because it's a, it's a healing place. It's a healing place, and, you know, people, praise God, people come in, and they've been misused. They've been abused in the church. They've been manipulated by, by leaders. Uh, they've been let down by pastors who were secretly living in sin. Uh, they, they've been burnt out in the church, uh, and, and so many expectations put on them. And they come in here to arise, and it's an atmosphere in a house where you can just take a deep breath and be. Uh, there's, there, there's rest here. And there's no agenda. And you can feel it. Uh, we've, we will always value you for who you are and not what you can do. And that alone is, is healing and it's restoring. Uh, but I'm concerned. I'm concerned, church, that the very posture of our hearts before the Lord as leaders in this church to protect you and to honor you, uh, who you are, and to steward the healing of your heart well, that it's actually become the very thing that has created a complacency in this family. 
when it comes to serving and when it comes to stepping up. A mindset of, well, someone else will, will take care of it and get it done. I'm, I'm healing. You know, I woke up and I'm just not feeling it today. So I'm just so grateful, so grateful that Arise teaches us healthy boundaries and they understand where my heart is. You know, I'm so thankful there's a culture of rest and there's just no pressure to jump in and serve. Uh, and it's true. And it's important. It's important. But at what point does rest and healing and it's just not my season or busyness, at what point does those, those things become our excuse to devalue and turn away from commitment to the body of Christ? See, this is much bigger. This is much bigger than just needing help in children's ministry. It always is. It always is in the kingdom. This is about us making a decision as a church family of who we want to become and what are our priorities. Do we want God's glory to visit us from time to time in doses, in and out, praise God? Or do we desire that his glory has a house that it can inhabit and a people made ready for his glory to rise upon us and carry it to the ends of the earth? Wow, Jeremy, all this in regards to needing some help in children's ministry? Yes. Absolutely, yes. I want to go to the nations. Have you welcomed Jesus, who is the hope of all nations, through the child that is right in front of you? I have a passion to build the kingdom through business or through the arts or in this area that I'm really passionate about. Do you have your priorities in order? Are you prioritizing what he prioritizes? Because if you don't have your priorities straight now, how can God trust you to prioritize what he prioritizes when he gives you more? Are you building the kingdom through your daily decisions when no man, no praise of man is involved? And, I, you know, I, I debate talking about this. I debate whether or not to even say this because we can just so easily, easily uh, dismiss uh, an assignment and our, our, a call from the Lord uh, with very good and even godly sounding uh, excuses. Uh, but I'm going to say it because there is a place for it. It, it. There is truth. It is truthful that there are those of you uh, here. You're already pouring yourself into the house into ways that, you know, call for your passion, your passion and call for your commitment and, and your preparation even, and, and praise God for that. And two, I've had people tell me before as well, like, hey, um, you know, uh, you, just, you just don't want me to work with kids. Like, you just, <laughs> trust me, you know. Um, and uh, I, 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 can, I can appreciate that, you know, and I, 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 under, I understand that. Um, it, it's, they, you know, it's not even about me. It's just not my gift. You know, it's just not my gift, and um, which we obviously, we have other areas um, as well that, uh, you know, you can, you can jump in, and areas of the church where we need people, we need the, the family to commit and be a part of it. And so I can understand that, and there's certain areas that it is our heart that you will thrive. You will thrive in the house and thrive in certain areas, but, um, and you can't do everything, right? I understand that. But uh, what I would say to this, and my, my heart's cry this morning uh, for us is um, make sure you're not making excuses, especially, especially about something such as children. The little ones that Jesus is so passionate about, he even says, when you welcome a child in, you welcome me in. Or, or excuses in any area of the church, uh, for that matter, that he's asking something of you. Because he's passionate, he's fierce about his church, his bride, and he, he just, he cannot marry himself to a compromised bride. 
But he also cannot marry himself to a complacent bride either that's self-focused and full of excuses. Uh, And as Wes preached last Sunday, it's called being lukewarm. It's called being lukewarm. Uh, If you were not here last Sunday, I want to highly encourage you to go back and listen to it. I've heard from some of you this past week say, man, I just needed that that word from the Lord through Wes, that challenge and that word. And some of you even say, like, the body of Christ just needed that word. And you know, I, you know, I love you. Um, I'm so thankful for you. I'm, uh, and for reasons that I sometimes, you know, understand and sometimes don't understand, God has uh, given me authority in this house and in this church. And with that comes a responsibility to correct. Uh, and this needs correcting. We, we need to, to make this right. Not with me. Not with our five-fold ministry leadership team. Not with our children's directors or Children's workers that are weakly stressed about whether having enough people to help and serve in children's ministry. Uh, we need to repent and make this right before the Lord. This is about the Lord. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer on the check-in desk, and there's a pen. Let's make it right. Let's make it right. I remember I was, I was a year or so um, out of high school, and there was a man named uh, Alan Childress, and uh, he's one of my dad's best friend and just a close family friend. And he told me something that I'll never forget. He said, Jay, he called me Jay. He said, Jay, the church doesn't owe you anything. Oh, oh, wait, wait, whoa, whoa. But my dad's the pastor at this church. Like he planted the church. This is the church we, we, you know, we grew up in. He planted it. Me, me and my worship band, we lead worship here all the time. And we serve this church. We, we lead worship. We've done it for years. We've done a lot for this church. I'm special. Nope. <laughs> the church doesn't owe you anything. And praise God for that word of correction because it's that very entitled. Uh, you owe me, something, owe me something because I've done all of this. Uh, don't you see? Or even uh, I've been through all of this. That was really hard. And now it's me time. You know, it's that, it's that about me consumer mentality that has plagued the church as a whole. And it leaves us with a self-focused gospel, which is twisting and deception of the evil one to keep us in bondage to self. And I believe we're at a pivotal point uh, as a church body and family. I believe, I believe we're at a moment uh, that will either be a destiny straightening moment Uh, for where God desires to take us, or either a destiny-delaying moment according to how we respond to the Lord in this hour. Uh, And I believe the question the Lord is asking us right now is, are we ready to mature? Are we ready to mature? Are we ready to move from milk to meat? Are we ready to to move from revival thinking to reformation thinking? Are we ready to move from needing healing to living in wholeness? Are we ready, ready to graduate from learning about our identity in Christ and who we are as his sons and daughters to learning to surrender and put our identity in the hands of Jesus so that he may be glorified and so that the idolatry of self can be cast out? And so there's two things I want to share with you briefly, two areas to look at and give ourselves to in order to mature. And they are priority and surrender. Two areas in order to mature that we need to look at. Priority and surrender. First Kings chapter 17, Elijah, he comes to the widow and he asks, uh, 
he, he asked her to make him a cake, a little, a, little, a little piece of bread. And what's so obscure about this request is that he's asking this of her during a drought and during a famine. It's both a drought and a famine. In fact, the woman is gathering sticks outside, it says. You know it's bad when you're at the point of having nothing but a couple of sticks to gather. And she tells Elijah, she says, I've got nothing left. Like, I've got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And now I'm gathering sticks so that I can go inside, prepare a small bit of bread, and then me and my son will eat it and die. There's a drought. There's a famine. She and her son are at the point of death because of lack of food and water. And Elijah says to her, do not fear, but first, first of that little bit that you've got, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. Then he says, and then after that, make something for you and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. And the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, this would not be a moment where it would be natural to go and make Elijah something first. Okay, when there's not even enough for a meal that would keep me and my son even alive. Uh, she's got to be thinking we're in a drought. We're in a fam- famine. I've barely got two sticks to rub together and you want me to fix you something to eat. Like, aren't you a prophet of the Lord? Don't you have a word from God for me in this, in this dire time that will give me some hope, you know, about the blessing of my family, about my calling, about, hey, I'm going to make it something. You're the great prophet Elijah. You're the man of God. Help me out here. But you're asking me to make you something to eat before I make me and my son something to eat in a famine. And so the scriptures tell us that she did what Elijah said. She did what Elijah said. And then it says that her jar of flour was never empty and her jug of oil never run out according, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Amen. You see, Elijah, church, uh, did not come with the word first. He came with a request that she give something to God first. There was, and there was something in this woman, something in this woman somewhere along the way this woman had learned to value the word of the Lord and to prioritize him and to prioritize what he asked for first over everything else it was not about prophecy it was about priority and I believe we're in a season as the body of Christ uh, where God is not coming in necessarily with a word of prophecy you know like we would expect and want but I believe he's coming in with a request of priority First things first. And I think we need to repent when in our lives and in our churches we haven't made him first and foremost. Where we haven't given him what's his first. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. The Lord says, I already know what your need is. I already know what your struggle is. I already know what you're seeking from me. I know that you want to be blessed. What I want to know, what I need to know is what is your priority? Because my word can only have the level of transformation and blessing it's capable of according to the priority that you place on it in the first place. And uh, Sarah sang these words a few weeks back in this song. Um, maybe a month or so ago, and she's saying, no one can steal what I've given away, and I can't outgive all that you gave. 
And then she's saying, when I see your face, I wish I'd given more away. When I see your face, I wish I'd given more away. Uh, What is he requesting of us that we haven't made a priority yet? Everything that I already have comes from your hand, Lord. I repent for not giving you what is yours first. I repent for not looking to you first. I I repent for holding something back during a famine that is not even enough to keep me alive anyway. When I could give it to you first and know that above all, I honored the Lord God. And by the way, I'll never run out again. First things first. First things first. Uh, A sign of our maturity is our priority. Another sign of our maturity that I want to talk with you about for a moment is our surrender. And specifically, I said something earlier that I want to go back to in regards to surrender. I said, I wasn't going to leave you hanging with that one. I said, are we ready to graduate from learning about our identity in Christ and who we are as his sons and daughters to learning to surrender our identity into the hands of Jesus so that he may be glorified and so that the idolatry of self can be cast out. You see, the world system and culture always will try to mirror, but, the, but then yet distort what God is pouring out on the earth. And what do I mean? Over the last decade, uh, there has been a beautiful and just massive move of God and his people to receive revelation on who they are in Christ. Uh, it's, been an, it's been an identity awakening. And uh, I myself have been so powerfully uh, just changed and impacted by this, as I know we all have here, um, and, and our identity in Christ as sons and daughters, as, as chosen and accepted, uh, as royal and authoritative, uh, as loved and made righteous in Him. It's something that we have always taught here, and we will continue to teach and release here to rise. Because, you know, learning uh, and receiving who we are changes everything. Uh, as we are seated in rest as a son that no longer fights for victory, but from victory. Uh, We no longer do things for God's approval, but from his approval. Hallelujah. It's really good news. It's really good news uh, that leads to rest and joy and and a healing of the orphan spirit. Hallelujah. Uh, But while there's been a breakthrough awakening of powerful identity in the church, there has then also been a counter to that. It's been an influx in this popular movement of self-care and self-help and self-love in the world. Like it's, it's everywhere. It's in books. It's in blogs. It's in all types of media. Love yourself. Embrace the mess. Be true to you. You're worth it. Ah. Ah. The enemy, the world is taking something that is a break for the church and distorting it, dumbing it down to take away its true power. Yeah. And that's, that's not even beginning to talk about the identity crisis abomination in our world today with sexuality and gender confusion. Oh, oh Wes's message last Sunday was, was intense. I know it was good, but oh, I just needed to be ministered to. <laughs> like I'm going through a lot. And I just, I can't find my healing. The Lord through Wes is offering me the full gospel, the surrender that will save me, the truth that will set me free. He's offering me strength in my legs, but I just want another crutch. 
because I'm so indoctrinated by self-help and the spirit of new age witchcraft that looks inward rather than upward. And I look around and I see ministers who all they talk about is identity and being a son or being a daughter without ever talking about surrender and casting down your crown at the feet of Jesus in holy fear. We've got this revelation of sonship, uh, right? Yeah, I look around, there's still so much struggle in believers. There's so much anxiety in believers. There's so much depression. There's so much divorce in the church, so much entitlement, such a lack of commitment, such a lack of humility in our churches because what it does is it gives you just enough to feel better for a while after a message only to keep you in your struggle because it keeps it about you. And you may sense a feeling of breakthrough, but there's never any long-term tangible follow-through. Because it's not the full gospel of Jesus Christ that says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Not yourself, but follow me, Jesus says. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Seek first, seek first the kingdom of God. Not my kingdom, his kingdom. And his righteousness. And Sarah Kushner, you blessed me so much last Sunday. She came to me uh, after the service and she said, Jeremy, we've got too many people uh, treating our identity in Christ as if it's candy on the table for the grabbing without a price to pay. And that's such an important word. Because people and and ministers, they're treating our identity in Christ as if it's just like candy on a table. uh, Nothing more than a sugar high for the grabbing. Rather than a call to surrender to the one that surrendered everything in order to give it to us. And just as we rob God, as it says in Malachi 3, when we do not bring the full tithe into the storehouse and give him what's his first. We also rob God when we receive our identity in Christ without giving it back to him first. Saying, Lord, all that I have already comes from your hand. And what happens is our identity in Christ without surrender to Christ, who paid a price for it on Calvary, it ends up becoming an idol of self. Because our identity in our hands, it brings self-examination. It brings self-promotion and even self-indulgence. It's an idol. But our identity in his hands becomes a celebration of his glory that we get to partake in. You see, the focus has become about something that I need rather than an inheritance that Jesus prayed a price for so that his way may be known on the earth, his saving power among all the nations. And Melanie, she said recently, in her message, Empowered by Jesus, she said, In the kingdom, it's impossible to reign without humility. But in the kingdom, it's also impossible to have humility and to not reign. Because when you know what you stand in and why you stand there, you know it's not about you. It's about the kingdom. Yeah. And that same message, Melanie shared with us that when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, That he knelt down on ground that he created. He poured out water that he created in a basin. He knelt before people that he created to wash filth off of them. And as he washed the filth off of them, it got on him. And I just, ever since she said that and shared that with us, I just keep holding it in my heart and in my, my spirit. 
the Son of God, the King of all kings, the author and finisher of our faith, the desire of all nations, the Messiah, the resurrection and the life. Emmanuel, the head of the church and heir of all things, if anyone had an identity that didn't need to be surrendered to anyone or anything, it was Jesus. Yet he chose, he made a choice to kneel down on ground that he created. He poured out water that he created. He knelt before people that he created and he washed their filth off. Because, you know, Jesus, he knew who he was. He knew who he was, but he also knew that his identity surrendered to his father's will would bring transformation and salvation to the earth. In surrender, we're talking about a life laid down. His eyes were locked and fixed all the way to the cross on a greater glory. You know, we keep hearing in the church, receive your identity. Receive your identity. Yes, receive it and believe it. You're loved. You're accepted in Christ. You're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen people. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. All of heaven is cheering you on. You're a son. You're a child of God. You're a daughter. Jesus, he he began his ministry uh, hearing who he was from his father. The father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You need to hear it, and you need to receive it and believe it. It's foundational. Uh, it's glorious, yes, but there's another level of glory calling you. There's another level of glory calling you. And now that you know who you are, the question is, are you ready to mature? Are you ready to grow up and mature? Are you ready to fix yourself on a greater glory by making a decision to surrender to his majesty? Are you ready to repent and give him everything that is his? And the reason I'm asking you this as a question is because your identity is something you receive, but surrender is something you choose. And you you don't need another word about identity. You don't. You need to make a decision this morning, right now, are first things going to be first. You need priority and surrender. Will you stand up with me? I hear that song, that hymn in my spirit. Will you sing it with me just for a moment? Uh, It goes, I surrender all. Sing it, church. I surrender all to Jesus, his Savior. I surrender. We sing it again. Sing it one more time. I surrender.
I want to invite you to come forward right now if you're ready to make first things first. If you're ready to make first things first. Come forward if you're tired of it being about you and you're ready to cast out the idol of self. Repent and surrender. Repent and surrender. Give him what is his. Give him what's his. first things first. You don't need more identity this morning. You need more priority and surrender. Give him what's his. His. 